0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in.
1: Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Ross McKay, the co-founder and CEO of Daring Foods a startup whose mission is to remove chicken from the food system. Ross started Daring with his friend Elliot in 2018 after being disappointed with the plant-based chicken options in the market. They set to work to recreate the tenderness and versatility of the meat that fuels the $100 million chicken industry. With only three ingredients, Ross and Elliot made a perfect blend that could fool a chicken connoisseur. Daring has raised over $20 million to bring the plant-based product to fruition, and is now in grocery stores and healthy restaurant chains around the country. Daring is quickly becoming a vegan and healthy staple next to Impossible and Beyond Meat and has earned him a place on the Forbes 30 Under 30. Ross, we are so excited to have you on the podcast, my friend.
0: Guys, Jordan Drew, great to be on. Thanks for having me.
1: Heck yeah, yeah, welcome. What an interesting company. What an interesting person (laughs) you are. And so I am very excited just to hear the series of events, my friend, that led you to who you are today and what you're doing.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate the introduction, um, the series of events. I mean, you know, you touched a little bit about being disappointed with the options on the market, uh, and I suppose that was the, the real, you know, catalyst, but I'd love to take it back a little bit um and maybe explain why you know um some of that existed in the first place and sure. i suppose you know growing up i remember since almost as early as i could walk i was playing tennis you know um ended up you know representing my country living in italy um in florence for for a short stint uh, played with You know, Andy Murray, his mom Judy was my coach and, um, you know, my goal, uh, you know, from the age of, I think, five to 16 was to be a professional tennis player. Uh, I spent more hours on the court than uh, definitely in school than I'd like to admit. Um, But, you know, naturally because of that, uh, you know, health, nutrition, your body, movement, how you feel yourself, how you recover was just such an integral part of my life um it, it was never you know um well, the the level of education wasn't what it was today but i was aware of how important um you know protein was to recovery and feel feeling my performance but naturally back in those days and been uh, and a little bit most of that protein recovery came from 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 animal protein sure um it was deemed to be the the healthiest protein in the world the best way to perform and recover um, actually fast forward to 17 years old, where I actually stopped playing tennis, suffered a little bit of injury. Um, you know, a blend of injury not being good enough and maybe not wanting it enough, to be quite frank. Um, started to really question the amount of protein I was eating. Um you know, it was uh, probably two pounds a day, I suppose, during most of my early childhood. And um you know fast forward to to early 20s when actually i went completely cold turkey i was like enough's enough this is this this can't be right for me um educating myself on uh, on the benefits of reducing your meat intake and um you know i believe it was seven years ago or so you know this year um where i cut out all meat and and all animal products from my diet And, and as cliche as it sounded you know uh, I felt like a new man guys like mm. you know you read about it you watch the, the the stories on Netflix and the game changers and the the top athletes performing right yeah. and better and and, and and at their peak and quite honestly that's how I felt mm. um but to to, to to fast forward to what you said I was started to consume you know a lot of the other meat alternatives on on the market you know some of the early traditional based products were there and available in, in the supermarkets and in the restaurants and you know i was starting to consume them and, and and quite frankly feeling worse you know i did this for health i did this for 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 feeling better and started to to feel contradictory mm. you know um feeling more lethargic feeling heavier again uh, and started to understand that most of these products on the market weren't satisfying on the health uh that i was looking yep. for large ingredient lists ingredients that quite frankly i had no idea what they were Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that was was a lighting bolt of guys like you know me and my my best friend was like who also ate this way was quite frankly like we've got to do something about this we want others to feel this great, and a lot of the feedback we were getting was I feel worse eating no meat so wow naively took it upon ourselves to 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 not only create something we felt we're missing and a lot of founders that you've you've spoken to and in and, and in the world feel like this is something. It isn't available and I want it. Yeah, Uh, And that's how we felt. So 2017, we we bashed our heads together and came up with the the name Daring. And, you know,
1: that's how it started, guys. Come on. Come on. And just for context, (laughs) we didn't, you didn't mention this, but you said I played for my country. Just from context, you're from Scotland, correct?
0: I I am from Scotland. Gotcha. Um, Played tennis and then, um, yeah, it was, loved it. Loved
1: it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So when... When you as it an, an Elliot that we're talking about here that uh, was your friend that felt the same way that you guys kind of bash your heads together um, what were the two of you up to at that time? Were you in a, in a kind of a corporate job? Or were you kind of milling around figuring out life, doing part-time stuff? what was what was that context before you decided to try to go for this?
0: Um, you know, I, I treat it as my life before daring and, and after daring now, you know. <laughs> I feel like that's the only things that I remember. But um I'll touch on Elliot first. Elliot, you know, uh, my co-founder and CEO of Daring. Uh we've been friends for you know over 10 years now. I met him in Paris at the time he was working uh in corporate banking, has a deep background in high-level operations and finance. Um I met him through a mutual friend at the time. I had an- another company. I had another startup i was you know uh, testing the waters i've always had a bit of an entre- entrepreneurial spirit i think that came from from my family and my father um who um, i watched built his own company as well so it's definitely been in in the blood i suppose uh, yeah and um he was he was helping me break into the the french market with my clothing brand at the time um you know it was a, it was a small startup and you know, selling t-shirts online in stores but um he was the guy to know in paris and we Formed the bond over you know business and creating great, great things, um, and also um, surprisingly at the time you know rarely rare that you meet another twenty year old who doesn't eat meat. So um, <laughs> you know we, we we formed a we formed a, a friendship on that, and you know for the last ten years we've been building on it, and of course today we 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 run and uh,
1: daring together. Wow, so man, where the hell do you start when you discover <laughs> a problem? That global, that and that big, as well as that complicated—like everything I know about the food industry—is complicated, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, not necessarily having like a food background, you know, like a food engineer or some crap like Mm -hmm. that. Where do you start when you decide that this is a problem you want to tackle?
0: I think that's that's a great point, and understanding there's a problem worth tackling is is the first part, you know unapologetically ambitious and, uh, and that's how we've always run this company and it's how we've always started. But, you know, to be really specific, we knew what we wanted to create and that was a better for you plant-based meat. Uh, it wasn't as specific as chicken, but early in our ideation, we knew that, you know, watching the larger meat alternative businesses go after the red meat for obvious reasons, you know, and, and raise billions of dollars to tackle the the, the the red meat industry. We felt there was a gap in, in chicken. So bringing in resources around us, bringing in experts, Uh, bringing in people who knew far more than us about the plant kingdom and food engineering and food science and, uh, and working alongside them. So it was, it was a combination of just hiring uh, and and consulting and getting, you know, advice from some of the best people in the space, but, you know, having a laser like focus on where we wanted to take this.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. Did things quickly become clear in the sense of like, Hey man, we're onto something early or was there, just a ton of time of kind of wandering around in the wilderness of ideas
0: a bit of both you know thankfully we we're early in in the chicken space but we're not early in the plant-based space yeah um, you know some you know uh, some of the largest investments thus far you know over the last five or six years have been into meat alternative companies uh you know look at impossible and beyond meat doing a phenomenal job to to, to to really create consumer awareness investor awareness and, and definitely you know define the category uh over the last 3 3 to 5 years so thankfully we weren't banging our heads saying guys this this is this has got to happen but you know we were very early in in chicken alternatives so yeah. we were doing something that hadn't really existed to date um so a perfect blend of knowing the market was was ready for something like this but not knowing how to create the product and uh, and it wasn't something that we were copying either so um but of course naysayers were there people told us especially in the uk we weren't living in the us then and the market was slightly you know premature there at the time so um definitely challenges uh for sure
1: wow and i'm assuming there there had to have been capital that needed to be raised earlier rather than later correct for the r&d for for you actually working on you know the food you're creating and that kind of stuff how how did that come about or did it or did you boot yeah I mean you, talked like about, uh,
0: well, I mean you talk about i mean you talk about food being complicated CPG and food is, is it's, it's it is it is um you know the engineering process to manufacture plant-based most of it is through high moisture extrusion it's a really expensive um, um process and manufacturing mm. You know, it's about line capacity and operating at, uh, you know, a uh, high output. But to be uh, very simple and answer your question, yes, we we, we were raising capital almost since the beginning. Uh, very fortunate that my um, father at the time was um, backed, me and Elliot, in a, in a small seed round. And then since, you know, 2018, 19, and most recently, we've we've been continuing to raise capital and, and scale the company. So, yeah. Wow. Um, just around launch, March, 2020, uh, we completed our a round and in, in, in the mid to, to end 2020 with, uh, some phenomenal partners. And we're very fortunate to have attracted, say, such great investors.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So has it come to market yet? Did you, is March, 2020 when you guys first started selling your product?
0: We did first, you know, so 2017 product ideation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Two and a half years of development and, and 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 building the brand and building the product and continuing to innovate and seek perfection to some extent, but at the same time focusing on pace and scale and uh, and all all the all the complications that come with trying to uh, create a brand at the same time. So uh, we I remember flying over to San Francisco, 2019, um, on a cold call to uh, a company called Sunbasket. Um, and the the, re, the buyer there, buyer for protein, Tommy, Tommy, I call him Tommy now because he's become such a good friend, but at the yeah. time he was Thomas Bocalas. And uh, I remember cold emailing him and saying, I've got the best plant-based chicken in the world. Um, mm. You got to try it. And he said, cool, we're doing a cutting a testing for our plant-based category review on Wednesday. It was, I think, Friday the week before. Uh, can you come into our office in San Francisco? And I was in Glasgow 17 hours away. Wow. and I was like absolutely no problem I'll be there you know we had enough money at the time to for me only to fly over flew over to San Francisco cooked for the CEO the co-founder um, Justine and and the buyer and you know it went really really well and he said yeah. great how, how are you going to get this to us and we're talking about a company that does you know hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of, of protein so um things started from there that was our first sort of this is going to work this is a product people want you know wow. um the next week we met the buyer at sprouts i was there I took a you know national retailer 19 states 370 stores and similar thing you know flew back to the uk and said elliot you know, shit, we gotta go. This <laughs> yeah. is uh, this is great. Ah, ah. Go. We, didn't, we, we didn't have packaging. I had a, I had renders on my laptop of what the packaging might look like, uh, selling the dream. And you know, four fast forward six months, we want we launched nationally across the country in nineteen states, four hundred doors or three hundred and seventy doors, um, wow. and secured some really strong partnerships. So we've been trading for around uh, ten months.
1: Come on. I don't know if we've gotten to ask this specific question because I'm not sure if the moment emerged as clearly as yours. Um, But man, just from a founder to a founder of having big, those big moments you've been waiting for that. Can you just take me to the plane ride back or the moment after you go and you cook, you know, for that executive and you Mm -hmm. realize the deal is going to lead to you meet with the people from Sprouts. You realize the deal that's going to lead to like, is that moment, you know, elating? Is it scary? Are you on the phone with your partner? Like, Uh, What is that like when you've worked so hard and you realize, holy shit, I think this might work?
0: Um, You know, I think the right answer is tell you how excited and everything we were. Um, And we talk about this a lot as a company about, you know, celebrating the small wins, but I just kind of expected it. Mm. Um, This is, you know, I felt like we, we haven't even achieved a fraction of what we put here to do. So uh, I didn't, I genuinely went, I, I think that comes from my sporting background. I hate to lose. So anything else was a failure and, and getting that was just you know expected. So, um, you know, the, the, plane, the plane ride back, a combination of, or, or the journey back combination of excitement because one, you know, we, we had what, what we needed to, you know, get back on the plane to America. You know, I think, you know, move here, raise more capital and and of course launch. But quite honestly, it was a matter of uh, on to the next. Let's go, let's build it and, and launch. I, mm. I struggle with, uh, you know, uh, so I don't, I don't hit the highs and I don't really hit the lows. I have to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again this probably comes from your sporting background too, to be resilient in the the momentum changes of games and you know yeah. you just want a big point but you got the next one coming right um be, and and a combination about. of
0: not knowing uh, sorry uh, no. a combination of not knowing what that really meant I think yeah you know um as we move into more and more doors and more and more accounts and more and more skews and, and we increase you know velocity and I didn't really know what that meant. Now, I was speaking to other funders and of course, investors early showing such early signs of um, product market fit was mm-hmm. something at the time I didn't realize how important that was. So yeah. looking back now, it was, it was a, definitely a big deal. Um, you know, yeah. but um, I guess a naivety, yeah, naivety. Yeah. Naivety to, to not know.
2: Yeah. Tell me this was, I, I would be curious about, about your presentation so you know we can break it down that you know we just cooked but i'd be curious about your your architecture of how do you how do you present in that in that situation you know how do you how do you tee that up even just thinking about someone who has an idea and they've got to present this idea in a way now many ways at the end of the day if if the alternative that you had was terrible, then it wouldn't have mattered how well you, you presented. Exactly. But how did you break that down? You know, what was your plan going in and did it go according to plan or did, did it adjust? How did, how did that, how did the game get played when you're, when you're in that moment and you're presenting your product in a, in a high stake atmosphere? Um, How did that play out? And how did you do it? How was your, what was kind of your presentation it, plan? Gr-
0: great question and i've never been asked that before um you know product, product was a foot in the door uh, the buyers take the meetings because they're aware of the category and the growth in the category yeah. the product that they're looking for to some extent they've seen success with other meat alternatives other burgers you know nuggets whatever it may be so they're taking the meeting because they're interested so you're already you're already in there for for a reason but um all of the meetings we take, Our our sample meetings, we we, like you said, none of this matters unless the product tastes great, and it's got to be craveable. So, um, you know, I remember, and even to this day, with the team, you know, that we have, and the amount of experts around the table, I'm in the kitchen, in the prep kitchen, with an apron on cooking like four different skews, frying it up, got like six different pans on and I'm going like, I'm sweating. I am dripping yes. in sweat. <laughs> and I'm at, I'm at the CEO of Sprouts, you know, I'm, I'm stripping in sweat. I'm going in there. I'm, 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 going for it. So like, first of all, you know, it's a, uh, it's sort of that idea of thriving and ambiguity that I love. Um, but I think, um, and in the most, you know, non-egocentric manner, I love to sell. I think that's one of my strengths, and one of the things I've been doing since we started this: selling the mission, the dream, the vision, the product. Yeah. That's definitely where my role is in the company. And um, you know, you can't fake this, guys. You know, like you either love it, you want to do it. You get, it's the reason you get out of bed every day. If you know uh, there's a massive fire, we got to put out. So. For me, it's just a real passion for the product and the business and the category and the mission, of course. Like, like I talk about a lot. So, with that, it's just you know, Elliot's phenomenal at understanding the commercials and the the operational side. So we work super well together. So, um, this is something we've been building towards for you know two and a half years prior. We felt like it was you know a combination of just knowing our shit, you know, Uh, at the same time not knowing anything because supply chain supplying hundreds and hundreds of doors and, and supplying large amounts of product every single day across the country is something you you, you kind of have to learn as you go. We talk about it a lot. You know, we've literally been laying the tracks as the train
1: the train's been coming for the last 2 years. So Yeah. Um yeah. So that's man. what I was going to ask is when you get such a huge purchase order, were you guys adequately <laughs> prepared to be able to fulfill that within the next few months or were you scrambling like how does that work when you get such a large purchase order right away? Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the feedback
0: and, and research had been on the sheer, um, the, the need for laying some really solid foundations from a manufacturing standpoint. So with the belief that we were gonna create a, a great brand uh, packaging, value proposition and product, we had to have our manufacturing set up you know a lot of people have far more followers than us on instagram or far more engagement but uh, and even more doors but we they aren't set up from from a manufacturing operational standpoint so we we've, we've really focused on that first and then gone and created the demand that was you know of course there in the first place so uh, for us it was making sure that we did not disappoint because you get one shot at these guys manufacturing on time and in fill and, and some of the KPIs and metrics they expect from you. Um, that was some, some knowledge passed on to us pretty early. So we focused on it so that we could go out and make sure that we could, you know, fill the line and, uh, and support the, the machinery and 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 capacity for us is something we're really proud of. We've spent a lot of time building that out and fundraising and, and of course, um, continuing to do so. So wow. financially it was of course a pressure, but, um, we were, we were set up to do so had to just, um, gone through a sort of pre series a, uh, fundraise at the time.
1: Awesome, man. It's huge. Uh, I'm glad that wisdom was passed on to you and that you also were wise. I mean, I just remember even reading from shoe dog, the story of Nike, yeah. how that was a pretty consistent theme in the background of the whole story was his relationship with manufacturers and key partnerships and ones that he thought he could trust that found out he couldn't. And, ones that were putting out subpar work and having to change it right away and territory yeah. battles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So for you to get some stuff early on like that is, is really a competitive advantage, I would assume.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's and it's a constant, you know, it's a constant um stressing point definitely in the category is, you know, manufacturing capacity, you know, the goal for us of course, is to, is to you know supply the world with plant-based chicken and it takes a little bit of time but um continuing to to innovate at the same time at the same time bring the price down and fill the lines it's a whole complex situation but manufacturing is is definitely one of the most important parts to our business it's
1: huge man you know what i was thinking about earlier you were talking about the mindset that you had as an athlete and how that's translated into business and it made me think of, you know, an interview I heard with Josh Waitskin, the, the kind of child prodigy chess, you know, chess master that they made searching for Bobby Fischer after. And he, he had his own personal revelation around what he would call cross-disciplinary learning, right, where he had spent so much of his youth on this one pursuit that it was a game. And then what felt like he was going to be ill-prepared for anything after that, but then started realizing all of these things he had learned, whether it was habits, disciplines, lessons inside of the sport of chess – actually could make him, you know, really competitive and, and really successful in any other venture because of the things that apply across discipline, right? And I'm curious for you. Uh, have you thought much about that? If you were to think about it now, like are there things that come to mind, whether it be your attitude, your mindset, or your approach to the way that you did the game of tennis that you find yourself now in the game of business?
0: Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt. There's you know so many synergies and parallels in sport, uh, we've we've probably read and talked about a lot of them. I think fundamentally, you know, preparation for the game, and you know, and what you do off off the court, and reading and listening, and, uh, and mentorship, and, and and so on, and then how that's you know reacted on you know to the game. You know, uh, training was eight hours a day. Was far more time-consuming and important to uh, when I stepped onto the court for an hour and a half, two hours to play a game. A lot of the work was done off the court. At the same time, it was it was a very individual sport, so it was about ownership and uh, and making sure that you were you know taking um, ownership of your craft. Um, I think that's something we've we've carried across. But one of the most important thing is you know uh, being very nimble on your tactics you know in sport you go into the core the weather can change um uh, you know maybe it starts to rain and that was very common in the uk um so your tactics changed uh maybe your, your your opponent changed his tactics so you have to change yours and being big on your vision i.e being the best and winning essentially um you know but not knowing how you're going to get there is something i've really carried across we have this saying you know big on vision nimble on tactics and that was very much something that I felt strong about in, in, in the sporting background. So going on to the court with one game plan and being able to be nimble, being able to change your tactics, yeah. you know, at the drop of you know drop of a hat that you have to be like that in entrepreneur
2: in, in any yeah. business. Yeah. I uh, like big on vision, nimble on tactics. That's, I think that's, it's a good, I just wrote that down and certainly one yeah. that can, can scale well while you create that culture, which is, is awesome. Uh, you mentioned the recovery piece. In the intro, and then we're just talking about you as an athlete. So, touch on the recovery piece a little bit, almost from the the frame of of the company and the team. Like we we talk a lot about stress plus recovery equals growth, right? And I think that came from uh, I can't remember the author, but the the peak performance, performance. book. Yeah, Steve Magness. And uh, a lot of the work that Drew and I end up doing is trying to reorient somebody's relationship to stress because uh, we'll come across quite a few individuals who would say, you know, I'm trying to eliminate stress from my life. But the reality is like, no, stress is the thing that will give you the growth to get you where you wherever you're wanting to go, you know, to accomplish the big vision, you're going to have to have some major stress. But it's not taking all the stress that one day, you give yourself the appropriate level of stress, you recover, you get stronger, you recover, you know, you, you continue that that balance. And so I was curious, uh, almost like, how does recovery play into your mindset now post athletic career into business and life? Um, how does recovery play a part for you?
0: Great question guys. Um, you know, work life balance is something I'm figuring out right now a lot, you know, um, and if I'm getting this question right, you know, I think, um, stress and recovery is is about a little bit about finding that balance you know um for me it's just really about um continuing to set routine um and daily habits that i can lean lean on and and make sure that you know i can keep myself accountable for those things you know i don't I, I, the stress stress is a funny thing you know a lot of people talk about it, i'm really stressed but you we ask for this you know like you know when you start a company and you have a mission like you do you know it's hard oh, for it? me to to complain too much um also bringing people to the table and hiring the best people who can essentially you know start spinning some of those plates for you and, and you can spend yeah. more time you know you know um on the business not necessarily in some aspects of the business so mm-hmm. right. daily habits daily routines continuing to stay super fit and healthy i spend a lot of my time um you know before or after work uh, uh, still training um spend a lot of time on the bike but also making sure we recover you know to be really specific you know ice baths are a big part of my weekly routine breath work meditation uh hyperbaric chambers you know uh, a lot of that so i uh, continue yeah. to do that and yeah. um you know i live in a great place for that in la
1: that's right man you know uh, for me you know both yeah. you and i had sports backgrounds um definitely not as as um as high of a level as yours but very competitive for most of our life and i found it was easier to understand stress and recovery in the context of sport than it was in the context of hmm. life Right. Like there were so many pre-established boundaries and um, schedules and you knew even by listening to your muscles, you knew which ones needed a break because you could feel it. Right. But then you get into the game of life and the game of business and there's no boundaries unless you set them and you're not even really sure what to recover right now. Like, does that just mean time off? well, what kind of time off? Like, what do I do with my time off? Because I know a lot of people that take a vacation and come back just as angry and bitter as they were before they left, right? So it's like, how exactly do I recover? And that's a lot of the work we do. Um, But it sounds like for you, you've made a good bit of that transition, at least in the physical capacity, right? Where you're saying like, I still take care of my body. I still take care of my mind, my breath work, my meditation, that kind of stuff. But did you find that difficulty, that translation of you know, I got to set my own boundaries. I even have to figure out what to recovery and what that even means. Totally.
0: Yeah. Okay. Totally. I mean, shit, you know, for, for the last three years, we've been in survival mode. Yes. You know, since launching this with Elliot, you know, it's been about everything and handling just to survive. And, you know, the rest can wait, you know, like, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot of things got shifted as, you know, they're not a priority and you have to prioritize when you're building, you know, uh, an enduring company. So without doubt, you know stress and recovery in life is something figuring out every day but um, you know as long as you're aware of it and, and the team are aware of it and, and everyone's yeah. talking about it and bringing it to the table, I think you know it's something each and every single one of us most definitely can you know have their own individual approach you' you're without you're without that right you know in, in in sport there's there's certain processes that can be repeated that show, this is how to achieve, you know, optimal for your stress and your recovery. But in life, there's there's very little. So uh, a little bit of learning, but you know, uh, enjoying the process for sure. Um yeah.
2: I like you know, what you what you said. Can you take us through can you the take us through a balanced conversation? Uh, Sorry, Wait, I think we had a little hiccup there. Might have to edit that out. Pause. Yeah. You're good. My, I think my internet just got unstable. Can
1: so you soon. guys hear me? Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. But my connection is not good for some reason. So Jordan, Jordan, you take, you take over for a minute.
2: Yep. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, Ross, my, my thinking for you around recovery and what I like that you even mentioned for yourself. So the work-life balance conversation that one, uh, a lot of people are even trying to um, rename it uh, and kind of re reorient themselves around that because they they had trouble with it. But it it seems as if the work life balance was really like almost this escapism trigger of like, hey, give me permission to escape towards my other life or towards just sitting on the couch or you know, I want I can do what I want over here and I I like the stress plus recovery. Kind of equation to think through because there's an intentionality that's injected back into the conversation. There's intentionality around breath work, around the value of meditation, around an ice bath. And I think that to me is the powerful thing that all of our people and our companies need to have. I mean, I think it, you know, you're in a great, um, reasonably healthy spot when it comes to America and LA, but overall, you know, you. I'm sure, probably growing up, uh, you and your friends in the UK would probably make fun of the the fat Americans. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. You, but like, you said it have, on me. <laughs> yes, I said it. I said it, I, I'm one of the fat Americans. Um, but yeah, that clearly we have this obesity challenge in in America that we're that we're having an attack, and that's not helping our bodies either. Which you know plays into to the, even the bigger mission, I would guess tied into the type of food that you're, you're building. But I love just that thought of, of our team members and our employees going, hey, how do we make sure that you recover? Because hey, the stress that we're about to put under you during startup phase, during scale-up phase yeah. is massive and you got to be ready for it. And I love those ones totally. that, that you mentioned. Um, and then I think Drew and I still are trying to figure out like corporately, you know, within team, how do we lead from that perspective one of the ways is just trying to make sure that the conversation is transparent with what, with what we're doing individually is like, Hey, this is the habit that I'm trying to establish, or these are the habits that I actually have. And like that gives the opportunity to invite individuals to come play with us. But how do we, as a, how do we still have corporate rhythms of rest? You know, it's Martin Luther King day today. How do we do that? Well, versus probably how we did it, which is like, Hey guys, today's the day off instead of like, how do we intentionally yeah. say this is recovery day and Tuesday is going to be a massively productive day because we took it with intentionality. I think those are still things we're trying to figure out, uh, that I think are challenging, but they do feel like they're keys to additional productivity and additional performance. Uh, so not really a question there. Just kind of great. The-
0: you no know, pearls of wisdom. I, I, you know, and at the same time, the earlier stage businesses, I, I do believe or not for everyone, you know, uh, I think you, you, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, conversation, transparency. I, we, I mean, we talk about a lot in the onboarding and the interview process, you know, this is, you know, it's not a sleeves up, you know, business. It's a shirt off business. We're, we're building this as we, as we go. And, and of course building repeatable, scalable processes to help, you know, create some level of, um, I suppose, um, consistency, but you know, that, challenge conflict critique is not for everyone I, I do think it, it needs a certain type of individual um you know some people prefer that I need a team of 50 around me to do to do the job and some people were like give me the give me the job of 50
2: yeah the actual sweat required is should be a nice sign that you have to give everybody <laughs> and, a, and a picture of you <laughs> slaving over your your six plates um, that's awesome
0: yeah I know and the other thing you know you talk about time off. I always find it interesting. You know, you look at companies, how do they reward top performing employees? You know, you get time off or you get more work,
2: you know, yeah. you did a great
0: job. Here's something else. Or, you know, I talk about, I, I, I'm worried about the team, you know, taking today off because I know some people will have a backlog. So it's like, how do you balance all that out? Of, uh,
1: but you're right. If you find a way then let me know. <laughs> I love it. So how big is the team now? Like, as we're imagining your company as it is, wh- wh- what is the infrastructure like right now?
0: Um, cl- uh, put, to put some context on this, close the round of the most recent round. Um, four months ago, we were three people. Today, we're 21, I think. Wow. Um, so, we've grown, you know, uh, I would say 17 roles in three months um the date is you know uh, late January right now I think we have about seven or ten jobs out right now so uh, good lord know, 50 people within the next few months
1: okay so that's whiplash growth right? <laughs> whiplash growth yeah <laughs> what what has that been like going from a team of three like what changes have you noticed what is what has that been like to go from three to 21 like that is, that is a massive increase
0: yeah, it's been a massive increase. And, you know, we were slightly undercapitalized, resource for a long time. We felt like if we just had more, we could do more. So it's been great, you know, um, from a work and, 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 and output perspective, we've been able to grow tremendously just by able to have more people doing more stuff mm. um, and, and working and, and the resources. Um, but, you know, it's been also great to build a team. Um, you know, aligning on, you know, finding meaning in our work and uh, and the efforts that are driving you know, cultural change and improving people's lives. I think it's just been phenomenal to bring these people to the table. So we have, you know, some of the most or we have we have an amazing team and I'll start off by saying I love my team., um, wow. I think you've got to, but um it's been so rewarding. I think when you get financial backing but also psychological backing, yeah, yes, yeah. this starts to become really, really fun. Mm. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I wrote a love letter to my team at the end of the year. And I just genuinely expressed my gratitude for, 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 um, for the people that joined us on this journey. It's been great.
1: Come on. That's huge, man. Uh, what is, has it been weird going from an individual sport, right? Where you're a team of one to, I mean, to me, I even wonder about like the trust, like, is it difficult for you to trust other people to execute when, for so long the trust was in yourself to execute has that been challenging at all
0: um you know i started this with with a great friend and a co-founder so you know that was um, something building this it was it was a team effort from day 1 it was mm-hmm. nor i nor him it was us and you know um of course you know you got to build the foundations for 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 the skyscraper and trust is such an important part of that so we started this with that mentality so not really um but i think you know to go deeper into that question trust in terms of you know not you know micromanaging and not trying to do everything yourself and you know yeah. uh making sure that you can you know, give the responsibilities and the ownership to other people. I mean, we, we've we been very focused over the last few months on leadership principles and one of them, you know, is empowerment. So we yeah. try and continue, continuously work on that as we grow the company, but no, it, it hasn't been uh, an issue thus far.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. And some of this would be stereotyping some typical executive behavioral profiles, but, Uh, There's delegating tasks and there's delegating authority. And like Mm -hmm. most leaders are pretty good at delegating the tasks because they delegate the ones they don't want to do and they keep the ones they do want to do. And so they're pretty happy. They're pretty happy to get those ones out. It's the delegating authority, which is really where the trust comes in is do I believe this person can lead this, this thing, this area, this project, et cetera, as well as I could. And that seems to be the big challenge is like, man, can I truly pass off, the authority and that's really when the empowerment is challenged is like oh i can actually trust this person to carry the big vision and be nimble on the tactics like they really they they have that dna and they can do that that's where it gets fun and interestingly enough we would typically say like 24 to 36 people is where you're start you're going to first start to feel those those challenges like you're on the the brink of like 20 people it's it's difficult for you to touch every single person in the week or to know all their names perfectly, like to yeah. know the, it's it's easy to know their names. It might not be easy to know something about their families and who their family is. And some of those more organic things that you get with a team under 20, they begin to get tested for the first time in that 24 to 36. And you start looking for like, who are those organizational leaders that can raise their hand that we can start delegating authority to, that can get us up to 70 people to 100 people uh, which is just a fun a fun thing you, you start to typically you just start to feel as a leader you're going to start to feel more of those people issues i would guess where you go man i'm not solving as many business issues i'm solving a lot of people <laughs> issues and this is frustrating um i love my people but this is this is challenging and so i'd be i'd be curious it seems like that's probably like where you're where you've been for the last few months but where you're you're in is how do we continue to pass off authority really well and how do we get to see people soar but it's also the most fun part is when you see people take your vision and take it beyond what you what you could have imagined uh is, is pretty cool yeah yeah you make a great point there um
0: know i think you constantly have to be thinking of people who can really contribute to your team. yeah um and not have that ego um, like goal of doing everything yourself. I mean, our goal as a company is to remove and replace chicken from the food system. I am not going to get there with just me and Elliot. Like it's just never going to happen. You know, and It's not going to get there with just 20 people. It's going to take hundreds of people and it's going to take right. a lot of products and a lot of sales. So, you know, one of the most important learnings I've seen is just kind of, you know, working with people that you really love and trust. Um, yeah. People that make you better and have a shared sense of, of values um, that are aligned to yours. And, you know, that makes the challenging times, you know, a little bit easier uh, and yeah, the wins even greater. Exactly. Um, you know, Elliot and myself talk about a lot. We're like, you know, we are just obsessed by people and talent and you know, fundamentally getting aligned and that comes from us. That comes from me and making sure I let the team see this through the the lens that, you know, I see it through. But, you know, um I think one of the things over the last, you know, few months in particular has been sort of um that level of just um ownership and and passing that on to to certain leaders and within the team. And of course yeah. they're hiring people and they're hiring people now and they're hiring people, but Laying the foundations and building these, you know, repeatable, scalable processes that can be passed on and on and on, um, you know, allows for just extreme growth.
1: That's cool. Man, I love that. What? Come, okay, I, I came at this from almost two different angles at the same time, I had a brain fart. Um, <laughs> you are in the middle of exciting growth. You've been in the middle of some exciting growth. What is most challenging for you at this current stage like you're a business owner again we're, we're, we're talking with founders people listening that either are founders or future founders mean they're in the process of doing something man like as you pick your head up as you lay down at night uh, what is some of the challenges right now that that is that is really causing you to lean in and have to use use all your skill your courage your talent
0: yeah you
1: know it, every day there's
0: a different challenge for sure. And we can go really granular and talk about you know supply chain or you know right. whatever. But on a on a on a more on a higher level, I think it's balancing building a great durable company, but moving really, really fast. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. they're pulling in slightly different directions. Brands take time, businesses take time. Um but if I want to go really specific, the category that we operate in you know health but plant-based but plant-based meat is facing and is going through you know extreme growth it's not a trend it's the future of food and everyone from unilever tyson daring beyond everyone's trying to take market share and move you know uh, at an extreme pace but it's finding that balance of you know pace and scale um, but building something durable and sustainable for the long term mm. far beyond I'm here. So, you know, we gotta take huge jumps every day, but I don't wanna miss out on anything. So yeah. And when I mean miss out on anything, I mean laying any of the foundations that are needed to build a great company. Yeah. Um, so that's something we battle with every day because you know, we're going through you know, hundred percent growth every other month. And, um, you know, we've all seen those, those companies that have had that hockey stick growth, but you know, where are they today? Some of them, we don't see on the shelf or hear about anymore. So definitely, definitely, uh, something that's a, that's a juggling act.
1: Wow, man. what, What, by the way, beautifully articulate for, uh, how you, how you framed in your mind, the challenge you have, I think, that's one of the best I've heard. We talk about it often because, you know, our, our company off podcast. like when we're not doing the podcast is working with fast growing companies. We're like, that's it, man. It's like, there is speed that is an asset. There's speed that's required yet. There is almost like the rocket ship having to be held together on the destination. You know, it's like, it's like, if you go too slow, you don't, you don't leave the orbit. You don't get to the destination yep. in time. You go too fast without figuring out You know, do we have everything in place? Is everything battened down? Are the people okay? Like all of a sudden things start flying apart because of the speed. Uh, It's also probably what attracted you to it because that kind of company with that kind of growth is kind of freaking exciting. You know, it's like, it's an an adrenaline kind of growth where everything matters all the time, you know? Um, So, wow, that's, that's one of the better, better ways I've heard that framed.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is not a winner takes all market. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't want the scraps.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: we're here to be a category leader and shame on us if we, we don't build something that you know changes the way we eat um yeah. as a nation uh, and hopefully further afield. So, you know, a lot of people launch minimal viable products and scale and go, but I think sometimes they forget about the viable uh, and it's balancing, you know, the great product and the pace and of course fundraising and all the aspects that take to to, to move, um, and I've noticed in, in the U S particularly in, uh, (laughs) particularly, uh, particularly, um, sometimes the winner is first, um, sometimes not always, but in in, in this category, it's a lot about shelf space and shelf presence and, and of course, getting your Mm -hmm. price down as low as possible and with that takes volume. So, um, there's definitely a a rush to the market. Um, but with that comes, you know, a, a, a lot of responsibility to to make sure you have the things in place that are needed.
1: Yeah, man. There's like a a poignant and painful reminder for me from Jordan and I's college days because it was right in the middle of when we were in college. There was this movement. You may or may not be familiar with it. I, I actually don't know how global it got, uh, but it was called the Invisible Children Movement uh, with Joseph Coney in response to the LRA Army and all that kind of stuff. And they went really, they grew really fast through college campuses. So they 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 came, had a film. that was basically shining a light on all this injustice, especially of these child soldiers. And it went grassroots, went wild, man. And so it was a need, right? Almost like that, that idea of like shame on me if if you know if I don't mm-hmm. see this need and do something about it. But I just remember about I don't know six seven eight years later, there was a news story of whoever the leader of you know, this invisible children movement was running around some street naked, crying, literally having a nervous breakdown. And the movement came to a halt literally because this guy in the service of the growth and the service of the need, uh, you know, I don't know him. I I don't judge him at all, but apparently was kind of falling apart at the seams at the demand on him. And you saw how it crippled the organization, you know? Yeah. And it just, again, it served as a reminder as a young man going through college, seeing how cool this thing was and going, well, hold on, how'd that happen? You know, yeah. like, yeah. this is a good guy. It, it, yeah. but like he hit his breaking point and the, the the wheels fell off, you know? And now I don't hear about that movement anymore, right? Yeah. Um. So it just makes me think about you and not even as a warning. I think you're way ahead of, uh, of just understanding. Oh, you, you
2: need the and recovery conversation. The yeah. recovery
1: conversation, all that kind of stuff. I think maybe the world has even evolved through people like you and us that have, have, have learned from those kinds of mistakes, but it still is, you know, a kind of a poignant reminder of, of the potential pitfalls of fast growing companies.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, it's great that, you know, you're able to shed that light and and that's something I've seeked out is who around me has seen this hyper growth, taking companies from obscurity to ubiquity um, in a relatively short period of time made, you know, unknown products, household names, and over the last you know four to six months, you know, we've been able to surround ourselves with funders, uh, leaders, investors, mentors that have either achieved that. I look at businesses yeah. like Alberts. You know, Joey is an investor into Daring and uh, through his fund, and Dan Levitan, who's, who's probably not a consumer business he's not touched in in one way or another through his fund, Maveron. Um, you know, being able to uh, spend time with these individuals and these teams who can, you know, continuously um, shed light on the importance of building a great business first. Yeah. Um, and the rest will come. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been great.
1: That's Man, that's awesome. Beautiful. I'd love to pivot just a little bit. Because uh, you just even mentioned there some of the people that you've been able to surround yourself with, whether it's as investors, mentors, friends, and, and just the more we've been in business, the more we've seen what a competitive advantage it is if you know how to make great friendships. You know, we call it networking. That's like a business term for it, but people that network typically don't make great friends and aren't great at networking, right? But it's like, is there, that's something that you're obviously strong in, even when you're talking about your clothing business, you know, before this able to make inroads in france and things like that um and it's just such a competitive advantage when you know more people and those people like you and want to help you and just didn't know if you could pass anything along to someone who's saying like man maybe i'm a little introverted or maybe you know I, i haven't put the work into figuring out like how to go and and make friends with the kind of people that i need or things like that do you have any advice uh that you could pass along uh for for that kind of a person
0: um advice um maybe i'll get to um but i mean you know we touched on it before we started recording i moved here with elliot you know 14 months ago we were, we were, we were you know i think forbes said it the other day we're immigrants here um you know uh in the door with a great product and brand but you know putting yourself out there in a belief that you know people care about this and, and, and they should care so you know, I'm very fortunate that you know being able to surround myself with other great leaders and other great founders. I've got you know some of my best friends here, founders of other great products. Dave from Dream Pops and Cody from Twice Toothpaste, phenomenally phenomenal businesses, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm able to to learn from guys like that every day. But you know, I think it's just um, some sustenance that um, I've noticed here. Um, a lot of the times, um, especially living in LA, there's a lot of lack of depth to, to to a lot of this. It's a lot of hot air. But having something great, having a great product or a great service, that's all that you know really matters. And then believing in it and putting yourself out there. I know I, you know, I'm fortunate that you know you can hardly shut me up. I'm definitely not an introvert. Um, but that's fueled and the catalyst of that is just a real belief that um, you know what we're selling you know the product yes the plant-based chicken but you know this journey that we're on and and, and this mission that we're looking to to, to to tackle and um there's going to be enough people who believe in it to to, to want to to, to sit and talk about something in the same space so um you know advice i i don't know you can tell people go out there believe in it you know pick up you know try and you know network and quote unquote but um that's been tough. And, and even as I build out this team, we realize you're not, everyone's the same. Uh, yeah. but it's just a, about a shared, uh, a shared passion for what you're doing and belief in what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, this country, especially having moved here 14 months ago, allows for, um, some real, I've definitely, definitely received some very, um, genuine, um interest and warmth and relationships and contacts Mm. and uh, i think asking and being vulnerable but asking you know um for help is is also really important here yeah um that's something which you know people should not be afraid of
2: yeah i like that one i think the the shared passion and the ask for help i think those are powerful principles at least somebody could pull from uh here I've got one kind of final thought for you, and then we'll head to the uh, the lightning round. Uh, who and what uh, do you enjoy learning from? I know we talked prior about uh, you enjoy podcasts, so it can be any kind of media source uh, or books. We've asked that question in the past, but like uh, who and what do you, you know, do you learn from, or are you learning from right now? Um, anything that really sticks out to you.
0: Yeah, um, I think uh, what what actually motivates me is is learning and getting better every day. Um, To answer your question more specifically, a couple of great guys, um, Bill Carr and Colin Bryan, they have this working backwards mentality and it's it's a working backwards book, um, how to be an Amazonian. They spent most of their life at the Amazon beside Jeff Bezos and it's this, you know, um, phenomenal approach to building enduring companies and working backwards. So, you know, from uh, repeatable, scalable process in their hiring system to, you know, inputs and outputs and communication organization and prioritization, um, Bill and Colin have been sort of advisors and, and mentors to me as we go from zero to, 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 to you know, yeah. infinity and beyond and, yeah. um, spending a lot of time and understanding some of their, you know, uh, because a lot of this is, is, is pattern recognition. Some of this yeah. stuff has been done and proved out before, and it works. Some of it, yeah. you know, we're daring by name and we're daring by nature and we'll challenge the status quo. And we don't need to go down the paths that have been laid, but some of it is, you know, repeatable. Yeah. And some of these great companies, we all love every day and we touch every day and have built, um, you know, market leaders globally. Some of that stuff can be replicated in your own company. So, Um, in particular right now, if I had to say, um, this working backwards approach through it's the book Colin Breyer, but Bill Carr and, um, um, spending some time there, but more, even more so, you know, podcasts, HBR, how I built this, um, reading the book good to great at the moment as well. Um, Yes. Also, also my second time there. So. Um, you know, soaking it all up, but it's all a process. It's all learning, learning every day. Yeah. Um, and being also cognizant to, to challenge that, that, you know, what's right for other people is not right for you. You know, yeah. um, there's the Amazon way or the X way or, or, or the Apple way, but you know, you got to find the daring way or your own way as well. So, um, like I said, at the beginning, big on vision and blunt
2: tactics, you know, uh, live by that every day. Yeah. Love that. Uh, beautiful, Ross. So let's hit uh, heads to the lightning round. I got five questions for you, sir. Sure. Uh, question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, uh, what would it be?
0: Um, be daring 100%. Um, yeah. Strive for great, take a chance, aim
2: nice. higher and fail fast. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, Ross. Uh, number two, what's the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business?
0: um the one i've repeated um I've kind of I've kind of uh merged into my own words but being nimble um but staying true to to the vision vision nimble and
2: yeah uh what causes you the most worry leading your organization
0: um i feel like i'm repeating myself again about balancing speed to market with building uh solid yeah. foundations
2: uh what's what's your BHAG, your big hairy audacious goal uh you can take kind of two lenses one for you and one for the one for the company
0: um, it doesn't get more audacious than removing chicken from the fit system uh yes um, so that's definitely the business goal and um personally um the, the you know, to, to be a great, uh, husband and, and friend and son and brother. I think that's something which, uh, you know, I work on a lot as well.
2: Yeah, man. Appreciate that too, Russ. Uh, last, last one. So you, uh, you get to hop in into a DeLorean. You're going to go back to the future. You're going to go back to your past. You're going to shout one thing to yourself from the driver's side window. Uh, when would you go back and what would you say to yourself?
0: um 20 years old i would tell myself to just be a little more patient um mm-hmm. in fact probably a lot more patient maybe that's cliche but you know shit yeah it takes time and uh to find out what you want to do and what makes you tick and where you want to spend your time and uh what you want to work for and who you want to work for it, it takes time i think there's a lot of pressure now and you know, I'm rambling here, but entrepreneurship is so glorified. Mm-hmm. Um, be patient, learn, soak it up. And uh, and I think, you know, many people aspire to change the world, but a few have the critical critical elements required, you know, talent, resources, perseverance. So it's just about being more patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was 20, in fact, most of my life, I've just been in such a rush. Yeah. Um, but. Trying to trying to work on that every day.
2: Man, yeah. well, thank That's you for so taking good. time with us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes me think of this Elon Musk uh, kind of quote in an interview he was doing. And I can't remember if he said the first two or three years of starting a business is like eating glass or crawling on glass, but yeah. it was it was something like that. And I think what you're talking about, I know I've experienced, which is part of the pain, is just from the unmet expectation that you thought you would already be there it would have come easier. You'd be past this, it'd be faster. Right. And some of that patience might actually lessen some of the, some of the glass you got to eat or crawl on. I can't remember which one it is, but either yeah. one sounded uncomfortable.
0: No, I've heard that as well. And you know, each milestone you hit or each it's funny because we talk about the destination, you know, series a was, okay, we got to get to series a, but when you get it, you're like, okay, next, you know, it's, it's not the destination, you know, it's just a yeah. milestone and you just hit them and you keep going. Um, you know, and you know, you, I'm sure you experience the same. It's like you set yourself goals and targets and then you get them, and it's not an anti-climax, but you know,
1: yeah, you're yeah. from
0: survival mode to hyper to slowing down because you're moving too fast. And I think that's something which you got to juggle as well Is like trying to find time to, To celebrate those small wins, even the even
2: the crawling on glass, there's some small wins for sure. Mm Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I mean for you, you you said it earlier about celebrating small wins. But that was my father had a very successful career, and as he looked back, that was his one regret. Was man, we accomplished so many things, and we went on to the next project so often. And I, he had many accolades and uh, many wins that came with with that for for himself and for the family but it was, I wish I had celebrated more. And the leaders that he looks up to and that he would talk to me about would be the ones who celebrated well. They, yeah. they took that little moment. It doesn't take that long to do it. And it takes a little bit more intentionality of how do you do it well. Uh, but I'm with you there. Definitely some some nature there to just move on to the next thing.
1: Well, it's cool, yeah. too, it's cool too. I was thinking about this at the very beginning is the difference in, um, in goals is context, Right. So like what's optimal for a producer, somebody looking to get a result, it's actually not riding the highs and the lows, right? So if you're in sport, if you're in business, like that's on a day-to-day basis, that's optimal for getting results because it equals resilience, right? But what about a human, right? So like there's us as a business owner or an athlete or a producer, but then there's us as a human and you realize that's actually not optimal for the human experience, right? Like for the human experience, like what we write movies about, what we remember are the highs and the lows. And so there's got to be a toggling where you can enter a mode when you need to, to, to be kind of here in this middle zone and be really resilient. And then we have to also, like one of my mentors used to talk about, this makes more sense in his day, but taking off his tie. So like he would come home and he wanted these triggers that would trigger him from one mode of being into a different mode of being. And when he got home, he, before he'd go in to see his kids and his wife and whatever, he would take off his tie. And that was like his almost like physical trigger to be like, I'm in human mode. Now I'm in dad mode. I'm in highs and lows mode. I'm no longer in like grind mode. <laughs> and, I, and I find that as well. Like, man, and I a need a mindset board. that's optimal for business, but then I need a mindset that's optimal for being a human being. And even that those overlap sometimes like for the team, like they need a high or the team might need a low and act and, and no, no one sugarcoat sugarcoat that that sucked and be like, man, I, I'm really hurting too, or whatever, you know, and it may be Scottish. I can't remember, but there was a quote that said, um, something along the, along the lines of, I never, I never trust a man with a sword who can't dance. Have you ever heard that before?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did I, did I get close to the, to the saying? You Got
0: close? And it's funny because, you know, even more so in today's, you know, working environment, you know, most people working from their their home and their kitchen table how do you separate that it used yeah. to be when i when i leave the office i leave the office right and now it's when i leave the kitchen table <laughs> i'm still in my yeah. house and i'm still working i'm yeah. always available so i think we are all gonna you know navigate this as as things um, continue that I close way so door,
2: i just hope and pray when i exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i've got
1: Gold. yeah <laughs> Well, man, I think that's a good note for all of us to end on. I think it, it is the timely reminder that our world is getting blurred more than it ever has been of natural distinctions. And this is a time for us just to get creative, maybe disciplined even of saying, you know, when is it proper for me to be in this mode versus this mode? Am I getting stressed and didn't get any recovery? Uh, but Ross, this has been so fun, man. You've given us more than... uh uh, enough of your time and we're so grateful for it every time a founder like you comes on the on the show and is willing to share your heart your story your vision your passion uh man we just we're so thankful for the wisdom you're passing on to the next generation of business builders
0: yeah i I mean i don't know if it's wisdom but it's my story and um yeah you know i appreciate it and like i said love what you guys are doing and uh with the, with the show. And, um, you know, honestly, I just felt like it was an honest uh, conversation over a cup couple, couple of coffee. And it was That's great. Right. It's great to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too, Ross. Well
1: done, Thank man. You. Appreciate Thank you. It. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.